Welcome to the Home Inspector training series. I'm Garth Haslam, the home medic. This time around, I want to talk about air conditioning and cooling systems. We're going to get you to a kindergarten level so that you can, as a home inspector, provide basic home inspection services for whatever you happen to run across. We're going to cover three general subjects. One would be central air units. The other would be swampers, swamp coolers. And a lot of folks in certain areas of the country go with heat pumps. Even if you're not in that particular area of the country, you will find that one in 200 type home where it has a heat pump and you're going to want to know the basics about what to inspect for. You don't want to be caught naked where you just don't know what you're talking about when you're looking at a particular item at any given home. So that's that's kind of where we're going. I'm going to start with the central air unit. Now the process, and let's begin with some language because language often gets screwed up on this one too. You can uh, prove that you're an idiot right up front by calling the entire box on the exterior, you can call that the compressor. It is not a compressor. The compressor lies within the box. The box itself, taken as a whole, is a condenser unit. So make sure you get that language right or certain people will begin by laughing at you, the guys that know their way around HVAC. So inside or going to the condenser unit you're going to see coming from the house you're going to see a larger diameter line and a smaller diameter line larger line is a gas and the smaller is a liquid the liquid is the gas that has been returned to the condenser and the compressor the compressor compresses that gas and sends it back into the house as a liquid now what's going on is you've got a physics equation that's happening and without turning you into physicists, uh, the equation is PV equals NRT. P stands for pressure, V stands for volume, N is a number that you don't care about. Same thing with R, it's also a number that you don't care about and T equals temperature. So if you passed your 7th grade algebra class and you just basically say PV equals T, you'll know that the higher the temperature goes up on one side of the equation, either the pressure has to go up or the volume has to go up on the other side of the equation. Same thing as if you hold T constant, then your pressure has to go down if your volume goes up or vice versa. So what's happening basically is that the compressor is compressing those gases and it's making temperature available which will be captured and used at the furnace inside the house and then the process uh, repeats all over again you go from gas to liquid to gas to liquid and pressure and temperature cycled a million times over that is what's happening at the central air compressor you will need to know that because it will help you to to sound, you know, and actually be knowledgeable as you're talking to the client. You want to make sure that the larger diameter line is actually insulated so that you're not losing power that way. Okay, so that is the process. Now, as part of this process, you're going to have air flowing in through the fins on the side of the condenser. And then you're going to have what will hopefully be warm air flowing out the top side. 
So that process needs to actually happen. If you've got anything that's preventing that from happening, you need to write that up. Now, items that could be preventing that from happening would be vines, dirt. Sometimes in certain areas, you'll have cottonwood trees, and the cotton from those cottonwood trees really fills up those fins in a big, fat hurry. So if you got any of the above, that sort of thing, that needs to be in your report. It's important that that be understood. If you have icing going on at the AC unit, that's an indication that you've got problems. Probably that the coolant is lost, but it definitely means that there's a problem. You are not there to diagnose the problem and tell them what it is. You're definitely not there to fix the problem. What you are there to do is to identify the problem and then make sure that it gets noted in the report so that they can have somebody who is certified go ahead and take care of that. Resist the urge to actually say, okay, I'll fix this, or this is how you fix it. Unless, of course, you're an HVAC licensed technician, then feel free. If not, make sure that you understand and communicate that you know what you know, and you don't try to to pretend to be the knower of all things. That just makes you look like a jerk. Okay, blockage. So you've got vines, dirt, you can have branches in there, you've got cotton, and then you want to make sure that the top side is also free. I have seen where you'll have maybe bushes that are too close to the uh, sides and the top side of the condenser unit, and if air can't flow, then the home owner is going to be paying a lot more money to do what he needs to do there. So that's the kind of thing that needs to be written up if it's too close. If you've got your client there, and I strongly urge that you have them there, make sure that they see you know, things like the bushes that are too close to the property so that they can take care of that sort of thing and prevent it from becoming a problem six months or a year or even three years down the road. Sometimes on the fins, you will see damage, sometimes because it's a three-year-old kid that just runs his fingers across those. You can actually damage those fins very easily. It can be little three-year-old hands. It can be hammers. It can be sticks. It can be lawnmowers. It can be weed whackers. Pretty much anything that hits those fins is going to damage them. Now, I was in home inspector training a number of years ago, and we actually had an HVAC guy there. The question was asked, what percentage of the fins has to be damaged before you write it up as uh, having the fins need to be replaced? He hesitated for a while and said about 25-30%. I think the consensus among the inspectors in the group was that was a little high, but I guess the bottom line is that there is no industry standard for what percentage that is. If it looks really bad and it's not something that can be cleaned, I mean, if it's cleaned, then great, go ahead and clean it. If it has been damaged by something like a weed whacker or sticks or fingers, you can't recover that. So I'm going to go for about 20% of that. Obviously, this is a linear sort of thing that the more the fins are damaged, the uh, more expensive it's going to be to do heating and cooling. It becomes a spreadsheet analysis of what costs more, you know, paying for more electricity or replacing the fins. And I don't have the answer to that. Of course, it depends on a thousand other issues like how much does electricity cost in your area, that sort of thing. 
So it will be, as far as your recommendation is concerned, you'll want to just get some experience, play that one by ear, and call out the obvious. Don't try to pretend anything. If you don't know, say you don't know, and get an answer later. Okay, fin damage, covered that one. Winterizing the central air compressor. Now, you will see, especially in areas where there's a lot of swamp coolers as well, People will say, well, this is a cooler, therefore I need to cover it with a canvas. Really not necessary. The purpose of canvas on a swamp cooler is to reduce the airflow during the winter coming into the house. That doesn't need to happen on a central air condenser because it's not causing air to go into the house. What you do need to do, however, is usually the condenser will be located under the eaves and it is always possible that you'll have icicles build up and they can damage the guts of the condenser. So you want to take a look above and make sure that they have a rain gutter. Yeah, you don't need the swamp cover. Another thing that people can do is you can just put a, you know, a chunk of wood over the top side of the condenser and protect it that way from whatever may fall in. Obviously, ice and snow inside the unit isn't great, but they are designed to handle it. Tonnage is another item that you're going to want to pay attention to on the condenser unit. If you go in about five digits, you will see a number there that will be a multiple of 12. Sometimes that's a 36, sometimes it's a 48, sometimes it's a 24, those, again, if you passed your 7th grade algebra class, those are multiples of 12. And it does get a little bit more complicated than that. Sometimes you'll see a 30, which is 2.5 12s. And sometimes 3.5 12s will be a 42. But those are the kinds of numbers you'll see. On a larger unit, you may see a 5 ton, which is uh, going to show up as a 60. So I guess I ought to uh, summarize that one again. You will see a multiple of 12. Look for 12, 18, 24, 30, 36. You know, the, the list goes on, 42, 48. And then you'll see maybe a 60. I don't see a lot of four and a half ton units. Now, once you have determined the tonnage, you're going to want to write that down. That's an important number, and it is something that needs to be in your report. So that the client again is well informed. Once that is done, you're going to want to do some math in your head. There are a, a number of ways to do this. You can say, all right, a ton will serve about four heat vents, and then you can go count heat vents. You can do it that way. But generally what I will do is I will say that a ton serves about 700 square feet. Again, the, there are a lot of abouts in this business because Everything can change. We're home inspectors. We're not HVAC licensed technicians. And to try and pretend that we are would be the equivalent of a lie. So what I do is I'll multiply the tonnage by 700. And that's about the number of above ground finished square feet that that AC system can serve. So for example, let's say we got a four ton unit. It shows a 48 on the unit. 48 divided by 12 is 4, and then I'm saying, all right, we got 4 tons, multiply by 700, that gives me about 2,800 square feet that this 4-ton unit can handle. Now, quite often a home, especially in the areas that I inspect in, a home will be 
I don't know, maybe 4,000 square feet and have a four-ton unit. First thought is, well, that's way too big for this unit. But again, in my area, we're going to have a lot of basements. And basements are naturally cool. They're often not finished. And if they're well below grade, they don't count as needing to be cooled. As a matter of fact, if you did cool a basement, you'd turn it into a refrigerator. So you take out the basement square feet, and then you know... Let's say that this 4,000-square-foot home is maybe a rambler. And so, you know, you have about 2,000 square feet on each level. The unit can handle 2,800 square feet, so it's amply sized and maybe even a tad large. That's how you do the inspection on the tonnage for a central air unit. Sear can be similar. Usually that will be located right before the tonnage. And you're going to want to do a little bit of your own research on this one, but 10 sear is certainly nothing to brag about. 12, 13, 14, those numbers will be there. Sometimes they'll be hidden. And again, the year that I am doing this podcast, you know, you may be listening to this five or 10 years down the road. Things may have changed, but as of right now, some of the nicer and sear ratings are in the 14 range. That, to me, is not so much an inspection point as an information point or a data point for the home buyer. You can tell them that the system, you know, may be more or less efficient, but to me, it's not about goodness. You know, your inspection is not about goodness. It is about functionality. So if it works, it works. And, you know, if it's less quality, that is an aesthetic judgment And those sorts of things are to be avoided because beauty will always be in the eye of the beholder. And if you start presenting yourself as the determiner of what beautiful is or goodness is or quality is, you're just going down a slippery road that's going to get you sued. You're going to want to stay on very firm ground, which is does it work or does it not? And, you know, at least in your report itself, you know, if you want to use words to describe goodness at the inspection, that's great. Another good reason to have the buyer there. So the electrical on the AC unit is going to be another item that you're going to want to pay attention to, of course, closely. The unit should have its own breaker located near the unit so that you can turn things off quickly or the homeowner can turn things off quickly if and when they need to do that. The breaker should be generally a 20 amp breaker. I'm not going to say that's a hard and fast rule because again, I don't know what's going on at whatever house you may be located at, but look for a 20. If it's a 15 that could very likely be a problem. I would write it up and then check on it with your own research after you get back to the office. The electrical also, quite often you will have a conduit that goes from the breaker into the condenser unit. And if that cable is frayed, if it's been baked by the sun, If it's missing in particular areas, maybe little Johnny got his pocket knife out and was carving on that. That's the kind of thing that needs to be written up as well. Nobody needs live high-voltage electrical wire on the exterior of the home. That is definitely an area to avoid and to write up. Now, career enders. I want to talk about this one carefully. What you don't want to do is to fix anything. First off... 
if you make any sort of changes, you just opened yourself up to being sued. Even if everything you did is absolutely correct, you just changed the home, and now the uh, you're going to get that angry 3 a.m. phone call from the homeowner that basically says, you know, we had it the way we liked it, or we knew what we had, and you changed it, and now little Johnny got fried, and we're going to sue you. Or perhaps you didn't get it right, and now they're going to claim that you broke it, and they're going to want a brand new unit, and you're out two or $3,000. Don't fix anything. That's a career ender. If you're only out two or $3,000, consider it the cost of an education, and consider yourself lucky, because it could have been much worse. You can tell people how to fix if you think you know. Again, don't try to pretend that you know anything that you don't. That's also a career ender. And yeah, just don't go digging inside the AC unit. If you do, you know, you could be fried yourself. The homeowner could, uh, or the home buyer, the client could see you digging in there and he might go do whatever, seeing that you did. And then he gets fried and you just don't need any of the above. These are all career enders. I'm going to wrap this segment up. We're going to talk about swamp coolers and heat pumps in the next segment. If you need more information, you can go to my website, homemedicusa.com. You will also find a ton of very good information on notchi.org. That's notchi like notch O within, with, only this one has an I, N-A-C-H-I.org. Tons of information there. And by the way, if you are not already certified uh, with some organization, notchi is a good choice. So tons of information there. If you would like to be endorsed by myself in your area, there's information on that at my website too. Finally, make sure that even though you do know a thousand different items about a thousand different items, that doesn't make you God. Yes, home inspectors have to be a little bit arrogant because what you need to know is insane, but you still treat the clients extremely well. Clients are the realtors and the home buyers that they refer to you. Respect them, respect their time, never talk down to them, and they will refer you out and appreciate you. That's the, very, that's the basics and the most important thing that you can know and do while you're doing the inspection. Happy inspecting. Thank you very much.